everybody welcome back for those who just took a break for those who are online welcome to the show we are in uh paris france and it is other than the weather the weather's a little cloudy but it has been beautiful i it's my first time to paris and uh it has been absolutely wonderful uh, it's our last stop on the european dat show uh so thanks for everyone who came out and everyone who's watching online for those who don't know my name is matt milstead uh me and my business partner dave Koss, we run a weekly podcast called the mograph podcast where we talk about all things having to do with mograph and business and doing taxes you know and everything else that comes with that so um this is our weekly show that we're gonna do um so if you fall asleep in the audience because you're bored and you want to catch up onto it in a couple weeks it'll be on the uh the podcast there so um uh let's go ahead and uh get this started uh what's up everybody welcome to another mograph uh mocast i'm matt and i'm jonathan wimbush and this is dat um, I wanted to start off by thanking our sponsors for the DAT Tour, um, Dell Technologies, Render, Tool Farm, and NVIDIA. Big shout out to them for all the support that they've given to us uh, on this tour. Now, we've got a whole panel of amazing artists here, um, and... Um, I want to uh, uh, let the audience know that feel free to raise your hand, ask questions throughout. We'll keep this very open, very, you know, informal, if you will. Um, so feel free to just raise your hand if you've got any questions. But uh, let's start off by introducing everyone. We'll start on this side with you, Guillaume, yeah. and we'll work our way down. Uh, what should I say? I'm a freelance uh, animator and illustrator, and I live in Paris. And yeah, I don't know. What do you want? Uh, what information do you want? It's pretty good for now. Okay. The bank details. Yeah. <laughs> we'll dig a little deeper here in a minute. Pin code for the credit card. Can I go? Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm also a freelance artist uh, based in Paris. And uh, like, yeah, I'm a motion designer and a 3D illustrator. Oh, my name is Romain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm Guillaume Curdjean. Hello, my name is uh, Lucas Ménard. I'm a 2D animator and a 3D generalist. And I'm freelancing for eight months now, I guess. Hello, uh, my name is uh, Daniel Kanderle. I'm a senior character artist working for Blur Studio. I've been working uh, in this industry for more than 20 years. So I guess I'm the old guy here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my name is Mediadi. I'm a freelance motion designer and uh, director. And uh, I go by, um, I do mainly cinematic uh, game cinematics and title sequences. Hello, uh, my name is uh, uh, Roman. Um, I'm a 3D artist uh, and a freelancer since uh, one week. One week. Welcome. Welcome to the club. Uh, hi, my name is Shander, Shander Chui, and uh, 
I'm um, founder and creative director of Over Studio Paris and Montreal now. Oh, you want me to go? Sure. I mean, I, you know, we do this every time. I mean, I, I always point. Yeah, yeah, I know, but like, you know, it's for the podcast. Whatever. Right. My name is Jonathan Wimbush, <laughs> motion graphics artist based out of Southern California, working primarily in um, television, film, and video games. And yeah, I did this for forty-five minutes already, but. Yeah, no, just for yeah. <laughs> we know it's yeah, still fun. You know, there may be someone online who just now showed up for the very first time. They're like, "Oh, let's go to the Dat Paris show of all places, I right?" Mean, I'm famous on the internet. Right? Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna start off with this question because we've got six freelancers and one studio owner. Is that correct? Yes. What is the state of motion graphics in Paris? It seems that there's a uh, it's it's been all different all over Europe, um, and here it seems like just by the panel we've got a a good portion of freelancers versus studio owners. Uh, in Barcelona, it was all studio owners versus freelancers. Does that is that the general consensus of artists here? Mm-hmm. Feel free to jump in at any point. <laughs> any one of y'all. Well, for me, I would say uh, being a freelancer. As uh, it says in the word free, you have the freedom to choose which uh, company you will work for. And it's uh, easier to move to another project or uh, other kind of uh, yes project. So I think for me at least, I choose to be freelancer for that reason. Uh, to share my experience, I did, um, after school, I was at full-time in a studio named Rav. And I leave it to start uh, freelancing, but I continue to work with them. I had more... Um, That's the way to do it. <laughs> yes, I, I had stability and, uh, and money to live. But uh, I think it's, for me it's better because you can choose other projects and you can organize your day, your life differently that full time. So I don't know how it's happened for people who work directly with clients. But I think it's better freelancing for me. I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think also uh, it's just uh, really recent that people are going into freelance more and more uh, after COVID and all. So people want to choose uh, to be free to arrange their planning uh, more efficiently, I guess. Uh, for me, I've been always freelancing, so I don't know, but... Uh, from what I see, uh, most of them, they are starting to be in freelance only for a couple of years. And it's, uh, I guess it's a general trend, not only in, in France, but uh, everywhere, I guess. And in, and in this case, I guess it's also the, just the, the chance of uh, who Karen choose to, to be there. But uh, I don't know if it's a real pattern specific to France. I don't know. We'll find or to out. Paris, yeah. We'll <laughs> For me, it all depends about basically what you want to do. I don't know if you guys know how the uh, basically the work is distributed again um, among uh, graphic designer and and in studios. Basically, you have the clients, God. Then you have uh, the agency that's going to basically uh, distribute all the cards to different studios or designer, and you have studios. So basically, that's how the chain of command works. Now, today, it's more easy for uh, freelance uh, designers to kind of compete with studios, but imply a lot of 
uh, time, dedication, responsibility, <laughs> late nights, you know. Um, so it basically depends how you feel about the work. You know, if you are, uh, obviously there are some advantages to be uh, a solo uh, designer on a big project, mainly money, basically. Um, but you have to trade off that with a lot of stress and time, you know. So you can be freelance, and it's a, it can be quite good to be freelance today. Uh, in France, it depends with basically the client or the agency. But um, but it, it can be a good state of, of work. And if you work with studios, it will be more, maybe less stressed, you know. But in my case, since I'm I doing this for 10 years, freelancing, and I, I work with studios, And this is why the reason now I work solo, because I see that a lot of stuff didn't appeal to me to work with a large team, you know. But uh, it all depends about personal preferences and basic ambitions. Uh, well, as a, as a studio, actually, uh, and made, made a really good point about creative control, actually, why you open a studio. You open a studio, I think, for three reasons, basically, for uh, to appear bigger. Uh, uh, the second reason is to access a bigger project, basically, because sometimes what you do uh, on a small scale is exactly the same thing that uh, what you do at a big scale but of course the return is not the same and this and the third reason is to is to have a kind of a better creative control of, of your work because uh sometimes you're working directly with the well client it can be an artist in our case or it can be a brand or it can be a museum or exhibition or or tour manager or whatever so uh yeah the studio wise uh it's definitely right now much more competitive because we compete directly with the with you guys with the freelancers which is a good thing because we don't do the same things and we don't have the same workflows we don't have the same kind of um state of mind but yeah this is the choice that you can make also you can open your small studio if uh you want to kind of preserve creative control on your work uh and but it's a it's a kind of a, it's much more risky in many cases because um kind of a, the the return is bigger but the risk is quite big too on the big project so yeah is basically that how many um are, are you a solo studio owner or are you working with a a, a team yeah it's a team yeah. yes how and many people work for you well right now it's kind of a it's a little bit difficult uh, to we have a kind of a core team and we have an extended team sure. yeah per project so we have basically today we have three associates in the core studio well i'm talking about uh, studio in paris and we have a montreal by the way uh felix uh, is here is he's from montreal studio um and uh, the four guys in montreal studio they're kind of on the core team and then we have an extended team for whatever we need extra basically but it's uh, let's say it's four four uh four in paris four there and uh, we have perhaps like a five six uh 
a relatively constant extended team um let me ask you this because yes. that brings up an interesting topic um having running a studio in two both completely separate countries you know in completely different time zones how difficult is that well, it's a work in progress because it's been right now. It's been basically. It's not very. It's been what it's been like one year and a half, something like that. That we are kind of really merging, let's say. Uh, and uh, I know my code of death. It will be jet lag. This is for sure because it's it's killing me every time after I'm staying uh, one month and a half. Uh, because I'm really susceptible, um, uh, I'm really kind of um, very touchy about that. But uh, about the time zones, I think it's not such a big deal if the teams are independent, basically. The guys also have their own organization, so they have a kind of a team meeting every day, basically. And I'm jumping in once a week sometimes, and sometimes more if I need it. But yeah, it's... Uh, but it, it has some advantages, too, because you can have around-the-clock work. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, are yes. y'all working on the exact same projects, or is it... it run kind of separately or when it needs to grow for one bigger project do you both work on it at the same time well uh, I don't know sorry to focus solely on you I know the rest of the guys are <laughs> no 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 of course but <laughs> just uh, I'm finished and promise um, so um, let's say uh, today um, our experience shows that it can be both mm-hmm. uh, whatever we need more we can kind of a do around the clock kind of a work in Montreal especially we were working on the bridge project together uh, it was much more motion graphic much more kind of a um, uh, let's say set design uh, graphic and I need to I need to be clear because I'm not really a motion graphics studio we are doing the installation work we're doing only basically real time work so for us uh, C4D is a tool for a lot of things but it's not kind of a final destination so sure. yeah so we work uh, basically in touch designer <laughs> all the time touch designer it's the, real, the Windbush yes. way of working right Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store. All thanks to their support. Go check them out at Otoy.com. Now back to the madness. So yeah, uh, just to, to the short answer is everything is possible if you can, kind of if you are willing to put some hours uh, in it and to kind of uh, to get organization going. We have a uh, we have a kind of a common space. We have a notion that handles all the kind of a workflows. The notion is so uh, I'm not sure you know this thing. So yeah, so basically, it's not that complicated everything kind of a, all the common working spaces uh, uh, Google Drives uh, yeah. whatever it is so now it's quite easy basically yeah go ahead 
Yeah, real quick, because I've been asking this in every city pretty much, but what kind of work are you guys primarily doing here? Like, I know in Barcelona, they said they did, like, a lot of commercial work, right? And then Vancouver, a lot of motion capture work. Berlin, it was all cars. Yeah, Yeah. Berlin was all cars. You know, Toronto, they were getting some film stuff. So, like, what kind of work are you guys getting here as freelancers? Like, commercial stuff, movie stuff? Mm. Or is it, like, a variety of different things? Um, I think it really depends on the profile of of people you know sometimes some people will be more um, focused on title design cinematic uh, commercials and uh, but mainly in France uh, from my experience it's mostly uh, standard TV commercials that you can find in in studios and uh, in the motion graphic department the most uh, project that you can find is in installations just in terms of mass of production, you know. Um, but there's a lot of different production. For my part, for example, there's uh, a few French clients, French uh, studios or, or agencies that call me. It's mostly um, US or Asia. You know, they just call me to, to do uh, titles or cinematics or design. So it really depends on... Uh, the style of the designer and the studios, I guess. Well, I can add perhaps for everyone that uh, being in Paris, it's a lot of uh, lux. So lots of lux work, well, for luxury brands. Mm-hmm. So LVMH, uh, Dior, Chanel, uh, L'Oreal, well, it's less luxury brand, but they have today everything, basically. So I think everyone already worked for for those this is the market in paris basically yeah nice okay go ahead oh yeah yeah just personally it's been uh, two years uh, i started uh, working as a freelancer and uh, i'm i feel uh, glad because i had the opportunity to work on very different projects and uh, there was a lot of different things like uh, it depends uh, if i work with a studio or with uh, an independent like uh, creative persons uh, a lot of different things are possible because uh, I worked for people like uh, YouTube persons, YouTube uh, personalities, but also uh, studios that is something really different because it's uh, more about, you were talking about it, uh, it's different workflows, it's different uh, type of projects, and uh, but it's a lot of uh, publicity uh, mainly. But it can be a lot of things like uh, also vaging or live concerts. It can be really different. Uh, mm. Just with uh, 3D visuals, you can touch a lot of different projects. So it's very different each time. <laughs> What's a good majority of the work coming from? Is it mostly based in Paris and in France? Uh, is it mm. all over Europe or are you getting a lot of work from the United States? Personally, I think the, it's the, one of the main advantages of uh, working in this field. Uh, it can be really uh, in a lot of different places in the world. Like uh, it's never the same place. Uh-huh. Of course, it's a lot of. Uh, f- uh, I I work a lot with uh, French people or French studios because I am here, so it's more practical for time zones. But it's all about organization. I worked with. Uh, I worked a lot with uh, international studios, and uh, it's all about uh, just organization. If we have the good deadlines, the good projects it's still possible to just uh, organize and work. Uh, uh, like this month, I'm working with a Californian studio. 
So we have like nine hour difference, but the deadlines are okay. So we just, I work when they sleep and uh, <laughs> they sleep it's when I work. my favorite. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say I started uh, like 10 years ago to uh, work as a freelancer. But I guess for all of us, we got known thanks to the internet. And that's, mm. that's why it's not really uh, lo locally based our audience and uh, also most of my clients are abroad and a lot of them in the US because the market is is huge uh, but yeah also it's 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 doable actually it's it's really uh, as long as the deadlines are not too tight sometimes you have to to work late but uh, if you are prepared you you can do it easily I guess so based off that because I spoke to a few people here there might be students and they're just getting started like you mentioned the internet like when you guys started as freelancers looking for work in different regions like how did you guys go about it was it like starting up a LinkedIn page or Instagram or just starting your own portfolio and just like cold calling or cold emailing or like how did you guys branch out and get these companies to know who you were and that you were capable of doing the work yeah uh, I can't start uh, <laughs> actually I, I, I did um, a business school Uh, so it was really not related to that, but I was uh, creating 3D stuff on the side for years since uh, middle school, and uh, at some I was publishing a lot of projects, but they didn't get noticed at all. And at some point, one of them got noticed on Tumblr at the time. So <laughs> I don't know where those guys are now, but uh, and on Behance, and then uh, then it's the same process with Instagram. But I was really not prepared to to make this my full time job uh, when people and agencies from all over the world started to contact me I was like okay I can really work uh, make that as a living and uh, I'm still amazed uh, 10 years after yeah uh, it's funny because I think it's the same experience for me yeah. uh, it's really it really depends on each people I guess but uh, in my case it was a lot of Instagram and uh, Behance that also worked a lot this is where I have the, a lot of feedbacks and generally when people contact me by email They say, uh, we saw your profile on Instagram. It's like my real portfolio. I don't have any websites. I just have Instagram and uh, maybe Twitter. But it's mainly Instagram and uh, Behance in my case. Yeah, and I think we are quite lucky because, as I said, uh, my first job as full-time was in a studio. And I uh, saw a story of them um, saying that they were looking for an intern um, uh, motion designer. I just like the story and we start discuss and <laughs> you liked the story yeah, and, and, and like three weeks after I was working with them so we are quite lucky with uh, tools like Instagram Beyond because we can find work uh, not easily but it can happen really fast I think Do you yeah. find that that's still the case, though? Like, with uh, social social media has changed so much over the past even five years or even since COVID. And I know uh, a, a lot of younger people aren't even using Instagram or Facebook or yeah. even LinkedIn, you know. It's like, do you think that's changed a lot? Um, for my part, uh, I just made uh, a reel on Vimeo and, and basically it was mostly LinkedIn when I started but it was like 10 years ago um, Instagram was a good part of, of my uh, my work also I know big studios like Framestore or Blur or, or other big studios called me via uh, Instagram but it was easier back then because algorithm wasn't, wasn't 
a yeah. thing that much <laughs> today. It's it's much harder now because basically, if you before you could just post a still images, just one render, and you would be discovered pretty easily. You know, today if it's not animated, if it's not a video, it won't go up. So basically, plus you also have to differentiate yourself from yeah. AI. Yeah, you know. So so now you just have to to understand the algorithm just to make sure that your work is seen, and and now it's more difficult because you have to be up to date with all that stuff that is completely not the job actually, but you have to. Otherwise, your work's just going to die on your very cool page, but no one will see it. You know. <laughs> so. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we have um, actually we have a, two completely different experience with the, with the Instagram and uh, with the um, Montreal Studio. Uh, by the way, Montreal Studio is called uh, Isotone Studio. If you want to follow it, and um, so the guys are definitely uh, much more Instagram or basically Instagram. Um, this is the truth, right? Uh, so it's basically all the time the stories, all the time uh, communicating and creating the community. Uh, I'm really an old man today, so I don't, I hardly use uh, it for in my personal life and definitely for now, not in professional life. Uh, well, I needed to revamp completely for this tour, by the way, the, the whole Instagram because apparently it works. <laughs> So, um, yeah, for us, it was definitely, as a studio, we worked a lot as a white mark also. Uh, you know the unbranded for a lot of artists so we cannot even show some things so or say by the way uh, for a lot of American artists um, like when you're producing the content or scenography or stage design or something and uh, so yeah sometimes it can have its own advantages to be a little bit more kind of a niche and uh, a little bit hidden from the public view. Well, and then, of course, it's just your work um, that speaks for itself and uh, from one studio to another, that's it. Because you don't know a lot of uh, VFX companies, for example, even the small ones, So, and they do those amazing effects. Uh, so it's not... Well, in, in our debate especially, it's not really that 100% necessary I feel today um, to have a super duper Instagram on the hands um. any of y'all on TikTok posting your stuff on TikTok yeah I have to yeah <laughs> have you gotten have you gotten like uh, work from it uh, yeah TikTok is weird TikTok is very, very <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> it's, it's, it's so random. I mean, uh, I, I posted like four videos and, and there were like 1,000 views and yeah, right? But uh, uh, the the sixth one, I don't know why it made like 3 million views and I don't know why. <laughs> but did you get any work from that? Yeah, four. 
Yeah. Really? Four jobs yeah. off of that? Four operations off of that. Wow, there you and, go. Oh. Who's on TikTok? So, so, Anybody? The, the, no one's on TikTok? <laughs> there we go. We got two people on TikTok. All right, see? These are the ones who are going to get just the jobs. Just po- post your Y'all work everywhere and just see what happened. Uh, don't, blo- don't restrain yourself because you think it's dumb. Or just post uh, your, your thing and just close the app. Yeah, I guess it's a good point. Uh, it's very important to be on any social network. You choose the one you like the most, but you won't be known if you don't do it. So you have to do it. So Yeah, I really agree with that. Also, uh, I tried uh, different ones. And uh, you, were, you were talking about LinkedIn. And I, I was thinking like it's uh, more dead about creativity than other social networks like Instagram. But... Um, Finally, there was a lot of feedbacks on uh, different creations, so I just felt like I lost nothing to just try, and sometimes it can be really good, <laughs> a really good surprise. Just can I ask you a question about TikTok? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a pro. <laughs> I'm great at swiping. If you need me, if you need me help, great. Yeah, yeah. No, personally, I don't have TikTok, but uh, you also can earn money. You feel like you also can earn money with TikTok, just with the views, you know, with the remuneration of TikTok, or not? I, I didn't pay attention to that actually. Okay. I, I I I know that I uh, well. With the amount of views I got, I could uh, earn some money, but you have to uh, y- you have to fill some uh, criterion, no? You, you uh, some boxes to check. Like yeah. you have to have like ten thousand followers. You have to post at least three times a month or something like that. Your previous videos should have like more than that amount. So uh, yeah, you have to be there. You know, they, okay. they encourage you to to be there and to stay there all the time as much as you can mm-hmm. uh, because, well, money is there, you know, in yeah. the retention time. So uh, you have to, you have to basically check some boxes to, to, to be, uh, to, to be able to gain money, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. What was y'all's conversation? What were y'all saying? No, he's asking me between um, TikTok and YouTube. Uh-huh. Like I do YouTube, of course, but because I'm doing long form and stuff. So like I've tried TikTok, but I can't, like cram everything in 60 seconds and then mm-hmm. it's vertical so it's like you're getting this much of me and yeah it's just like <laughs> I never understood the whole like TikTok tutorial thing because like you don't learn nothing it's I like, agree yeah, I agree like I say what up what up and that's already like 10 seconds <laughs> and, and it's like so now I got like 50 seconds to like speed run through it and then like the comment I got was like what the hell did I just watch yeah. so it's like so yeah YouTube is it for me but like you know I tried like everybody here said like you try to get on everything that you can and you just Mm -hmm. never know like it just takes one video or one you know image to blow up and that could be the takeoff point for you right there so how do you how do you make time to do all this extra social media stuff Uh, because I'll I'll tell you (laughs) running freelance also running a website and doing all the stuff with that comes with that is in order to try and promote yourself it's like I don't have any time for my family (laughs) sorry (laughs) Uh, uh, for me uh, I I learned from the beginning that um, I, uh, all the work I, I had is based on my personal project. Mm-hmm. So I basically maintain the fact that I have to do personal project to have jobs, and that's mm-hmm. what basically happened. <laughs> that's and even harder. <laughs> yeah, but 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 uh, but he, well, 
pay. <laughs> I work like that, and I work a lot. Uh, obviously, I don't spend. I cannot spend much time with my family. That's the trade-off to 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 be a, a prolific artist. But um, but you have to sacrifice something. You know, you you have time, family, and activities, and you have to at some point you know, reduce something. And uh, since my job make uh, make me a living for my family, I just have to cut some uh, some um, activities, you know. And sometimes when production is going crazy, uh, especially at the end of production when the deadline is coming very quick, well, family cannot be part of the picture basically. So I have to just not be there, and that's the reality of just being a freelance artist because it's all your responsibilities, you know. So. Um, so yeah, I have to take more time to make personal stuff because basically I want to showcase the type of project I want to work mm -hmm. uh, commercially. So I did a lot of robots, for example, and a big client called me for making a robot and I was happy with that. And when I made a personal film, that was kind of the vibe I wanted to work that year studios call me for that type of film and I was happy during the year so so basically just upload what you what uh, what kind of work you want you know and um, and then about uh, my uh, work just to make a thing easy since uh, social media is a part of life now we, we cannot get around that uh, Something that make me uh, gain the safe time is I made all my renders square. I no longer work in like 16 by 9 or adjust a CinemaScope format. I just prepare myself to, I'm going to share that also on social media, Instagram, TikTok and everything. So I prepared the formats of my film to fit correctly into a social media format. All of your short films are square? Yes. Wow. So a lot of pixel to, to, to yeah. a lot of pixel to render. Yeah, so <laughs> it's twice the time, but uh, it's 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 it way not the end. I say it's kind of crazy. Like it's probably showing my age, but when I first got started, everything was four by three, right? So it's almost square. And then we kept getting in the widescreen, sixteen by nine, and even ultra wide. And now it's back down to square. Yeah, yeah, back to square. <laughs> so all my old stuff from the early two thousands, I can make a demo reel showing right. the square stuff again. So. <laughs> yeah, but I, I wanted to ask too. Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I know it was just I wanted to add on, on the on the live versus work uh, balance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny because for me, I feel it's it's like quite the opposite as what you said. Because since I'm in freelance, I can optimize and uh, I can do my laundry whenever I want. I can go to the post office when there is nobody there. I can do everything. I, I And I feel I have really more time to do uh, work and personal projects mm -hmm. and spend time with my family. I don't have any kids. Maybe it must be harder, I guess, if you <laughs> are, you know. <laughs> But I feel like I have a lot of time, actually. Uh, yeah, it's because you don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have kids. Uh, yeah, two. Uh, oh yeah, I have two. <laughs> And it's the same with kids. You lost a lot of time with your family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but if you if you work as an employee in a company, it must be even worse, no? Yeah, can, can I ask him? Oh, I know. He's always got his hand up. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Hi, everyone. Um, quick one. As you mentioned regarding. Uh, being a freelancer and you have more free time. Uh, 
But now that you are established, you are saying that you have free time. But when you started as a freelancer, was it the same? That's a good question. No. Did you have to like really go after things and you didn't have time then because you had to get work done when you started, right? Yeah, it was more intense at the beginning, but uh, not not that much, I feel. Because I choose to, to refuse some project when it was the big boom at the beginning also. Uh, you have to sometimes force yourself to to refuse projects but it's hard at the beginning because you you have you want to have credibility and uh, you also think uh, maybe tomorrow i won't have work anymore so you want to accept everything mm -hmm. so i can understand at the beginning you you want to take all of the jobs but uh, yeah it's, it's getting more balanced uh, after a while i guess yeah, yeah uh, i guess i did the same mistake when i started uh, becoming freelancer mm -hmm. i uh, took too many jobs And uh, I remember for like uh, three months, I work every day, even the weekend, even on Sunday, for three months. And at the end, when I am done, I did it. I was done with a project. I said never this again. Uh, so you have I've done that like it, four times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Six months later, oh, <laughs> never again. No, no, I was lucky. But yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> You got one? No, I'll go for it. it. So for the people out there that don't have, or they don't have personal projects or they're not putting stuff online, like, mm -hmm. no, no, you ask this a lot, Matt, like, do you guys have like a local meetup or any local events that you guys attend to do like networking, like, you know, give a shout out to Cook, Motion Plus yes. Design. They have their I think event. that's next week, right? Yeah, Motion yeah. Plus yeah. next week. Um, I've done Motion Plus in LA. Like, mm -hmm. that's a good event. Like, do you guys have events like that locally that happen a lot where you guys can network and get to talk to industry professionals and studios and get your work out there that way? Yeah, there is um, a lot of them. Uh, there is also in Nantes, uh, Motion Motion, that quite mm -hmm. big and a lot of small events in Lyon where you can talk to people yeah. and even Maxon needs something like that today when you can meet a professional or maybe studio uh, there is a lot yes I think yeah. there's a bit in the south of France uh, I don't remember the name but there is a cool event in Montpellier Mm. Uh, and uh, just uh, you were talking about motion motion I think it's a good example because um, a lot of things uh, in France uh, I find that a lot of things are in Paris because it's the biggest city all the agencies and studios are here so it's normal but uh, Nantes is one of my favorite cities about uh, motion design and creative uh, things because um, I don't know why I don't know I don't know where this comes from but uh, a big community um I think there is a, a cool community of creative people and motion designers that uh, did a, a very good job about uh, communication and about uh, uh, patient. And they, this group of people organized the motion motion and it became very popular. And I think it's uh, so cool event because it's uh, really comparable to motion plus design in terms of um, uh, reactions of uh, people, amount of people. I don't have the exact English name, but mm. uh, a lot of people are coming in Nantes just for this event, and it's a really different event than uh, motion plus design, but it's so interesting, and it permits to, to grow and to have also a lot of work on community, not only in Paris. I think it's the second real town of uh, motion design in France, mm. in my opinion, and I think it's cool if we can do this uh, also in other cities like Lyon maybe or Montpellier <laughs> I don't know is there any uh, uh, what would you suggest for because we're in a we're in, in an, an, a university you know 
what would you suggest to the university students to jump into this and to start networking? What do you think would be the best way to do that? Uh, what do you mean by, by networking? Networking, like uh, meeting other motion designers, mm -hmm. talking shop, you know, uh, giving out your demo reel and such. Yeah. What we're doing here, outside, right outside, networking. <laughs> Connect. <laughs> Connecting, yeah. Connecting, there you go. Um, from my experience, you have to have good work first. Because you, you have to, you have to have good work. Um, I, 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 when I when I started, I I went to the first um, uh, Motion Plus, uh, the very first event, and I didn't have the greatest uh, portfolio, so I was just wasting my time there, because you can go there and networking, but if your work is not good enough, what's the point? No, so you just have to first make sure that your work is good enough and then you can go to whatever show you want but from my experience uh, me personally I never got any type of work from networking with anybody or any events so it's cool to see uh, friends and laugh a little bit but no work come from there so my experience uh, at least he's uh, making his millions on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but just uh, doing nice stuff and posting them on, on Vimeo and Instagram that's the only thing that got me work basically mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yes Karan uh, if I may I would suggest everybody to just be more curious you know be open go talk to people go talk to artists don't be shy about it Uh, because I guess this is the time when you can ask questions that you usually don't get answers to. Uh, you can learn from them, share your ideas as well, because you never know. Um, again, everybody has their own experience, but more on the networking side and learning side and understanding what happens outside the university life, this is the best time. And at networking, that you ask questions and learn a lot from that. Um, not just for students, but everybody. Me at this age as well. I work at Maxon, but I'm curious to know everything that everybody does. That's why I ask a lot of questions. And that takes uh, you places. Um, so that's my personal advice. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, and the thing is, don't ever feel like you're... Uh, you know, taking us away from our conversations or like uh, annoying us or anything. We love talking shop. <laughs> like someone says the word. It, it's funny. So uh, I just assume everyone does motion design. Like anywhere I go, I go and get my haircut. I assume that's just like a hobby that the person does and they actually do motion design. I'm just waiting for that person to talk shop with me. So don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, did you guys got any opportunities or work in from events like motion 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 to design or something no but uh, an advice to young people I said um, Roman knows more about about it than me is challenge on the internet oh, yeah. mm -hmm. like uh, 36 days uh, Monday challenge like uh, it has a good reach and you can tra train yourself mm -hmm. on some um, subject that everyone uh, does it and for the beginning I think it's a good idea I like that I like that go ahead no just to say I agree so mm -hmm. <laughs> then create a series also by your own can be a good way to to reach people and then mm -hmm. they want to follow and, and see what's, what's going to happen next I agree yeah uh, uh, definitely 
create your own style or create your own series yeah. of stuff. Uh, there's an amazing artist. Do uh, does anyone know Patrick Forty? He's uh, he does a ton of like food renders and stuff. I absolutely love his work. Uh, he started off doing these like super botched characters and then moved into food and found his niche there. And uh, from that point on, he's been able to get lots of work doing stuff like that. But so yes, doing the repetition, doing the 36 days of type or whatever it is, you know, will help you hone those skills and, and help you get your own style. Well, I say. Uh, right. yeah. uh, I just wanted to add something about uh, networking and uh, connecting. Um, I think uh, you don't have to be afraid of um, uh, asking people directly on social uh, network. You don't have to uh, go to uh, a real events or something like that. Um, you have a lot of people uh, who have uh, many and many followers, but uh, the 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 answer are really often and uh, yeah, it, it, yeah you don't have to be scared of that though. add yeah. to the about the network and yeah. the studio also um, uh, we have a little bit different experience from a networking of course it's not about networking per se actually it's about the follow up and about what you do with it actually uh, so um there are a lot of different type of events let's say so this is much more informal events when i didn't even bring my laptop which is really rare <laughs> so um But there are a lot of those uh, which are really quite professional and quite kind of framed. Like uh, we were, I think uh, it was uh, two weeks ago in the Kik Festival. It's in Belgium. It's in Namur. And it's uh, the festival which is basically more technology oriented. But the, everything is hybrid today. Uh, so it's also everything visual and technology kind of fused in one there are a lot of uh, motion capture people there and everything so and i had a lot of uh, motion designers freelancers coming to our booth i was in the french delegation there um kind of presenting themselves i had a lot of cards a lot of instagrams and everything so i think it's very interesting because i don't know what kind of a project i will be doing tomorrow and what kind of a extended network i will need tomorrow uh if if any of course but it's always good to kind of a, to be uh, the most important part perhaps is to be ready actually is to mm -hmm. be ready when opportunity presents uh, and it's it's a lot of work uh, this is for sure but yeah yeah and it's not just uh, like You don't just have to meet up in person. No. Honestly, like having an online presence, we, we have a Slack channel with like 1,200 people in it, maybe 100 actually, you know, talk every day. But just having that conversations, you know, you start to get to know the people and their work. And then if something comes up, a job comes up, you know who to reach out to, yes. you know, being able to share your work on stuff like that, even if it's not in person, you know, is very important. Yes, but 
in person is super important, even yeah. if we are in a digital work. Drinks help, this is for sure. It's a social <laughs> lubricant like nothing <laughs> else. Uh, get, a, get like three or four drinks in them first and then show your reel. <laughs> yes, yes. You need to train this skill <laughs> how to hold a drink. Uh, this is definitely will help you in uh, any domain. But yeah, but uh, the, uh, a lot of events happened after the event, actually. Mm -hmm. So it will happen after we finish here. Mm -hmm. It will happen, happen in them, basically, when we speak to each other just about uh, fabulous weather and blazing sun of Paris. I, I think we had a question over here, right? Okay, so the question was, what do you think is more important, creativity, story, design, or the technical skills, right? Uh, I think creativity links. Oh, sorry. Just uh, creativity links the the trio of themes. So maybe we should remove that one <laughs> uh, because you can be creative in 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 the, in the story. In the no, not the technical actually. Actually, I don't know. It's, 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 it's watching Chris Schmidt stuff up here. That was pretty creative. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solving, yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I wanted to say. I'll go with a story, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it really depends on the situation. From my point of view, you can be very good technically, you will find some job. You can be very good on story, you will find some job. It's the same for creativity. So it will depend what you want to do and uh, to find what uh, the company will need your, your uh, competence. Yeah, for me, I think it's a package. It's everything at once. You know? So I, I, can't, I can't really choose because it's basically all of that. It's just part of the job. You know, you can have a great story, but if your visual is not good enough, well, no one will be paying interesting to that great story, you know? And the same, if the visual is great and the story sucks, well, no matter, it is not good enough. So, so yeah, yeah, I think it, it, it's best to think about that as a package and just try to be good as every kind of, you know, uh, uh, steps. No story design, animation, and technical stuff. If if you are not technical enough, basically you restrain yourself from being more free creatively. If you can do nothing technically well, you you basically um, cut yourself from a lot of possibilities. So that's why you have to pay attention and just try to learn as much as possible. Um, even stuff that's not really funny, like rigging or very hard technical stuff. Yeah, no, I agree off that. Um, you want to know a little bit of everything if you can, because it depends on the client, too. Like, say, um, if you're getting work from Marvel, like, they have their style guide already. So there's, like, a little leeway to be creative in there, but they have their guide to, you have to stay within those restraints. And so it just depends. And then you might get, like, a commercial job where they're like we're hiring you for your creativity so you can run wild so it's good to be well-rounded and just be able to adapt to whatever situation you're in but all of them are important all of the you you the 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 best work that is created uh incorporates all of those really well yeah yes yeah <clears throat> 
Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a it's it's the the conversation we have a lot about generalizing being being a generalist versus specializing, you know, and as you get older, should you spe- specialize in order to try sorry, an, an alarm time to go pick up my kid. Um <laughs> should you should you specialize in one specific thing in order to kind of become that expert, you know, the one that people go to for that specialization. I'd, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. Uh I said that I was um I'm still a 3D generalist and I feel that for me now I'm quite young. It's been like a year that I'm working. But I need to learn something in every project. And being generalist allows me to learn like technical parts, uh, composition, how colors, how light work, or more specific on the softwares or new softwares. So for me, being generalist is like uh, essential for now. But I think maybe in two, three, four years I will specify, but it's not uh, actual now. Well, for me, I'm uh, really specialized on uh, character creation. It's because I like to do it. It's uh, not because I have to, it's because uh, this is what I like to do. So I try to specialize on to work only on this kind of project. Um, in any case, I think you need specialized people uh in any kind of of style of film um for me i i i'm not a specialist or of character or special effects but sometimes i need someone that is very good at it you know um but for the people for example that uh, will be extremely talented in in effects will not be able to make a whole film for example mm-hmm. and and maybe they don't want to and that's fine me forever i want to make my own film and i want i want to do it uh, as as solo as possible with few people that are very good at their job i know uh, enough effects but not at a level that i need to sometime So I need to call someone that's very, very specialized in that. It all depends about uh, personal preferences. If you want to make your own stories, if you want to make your own stuff, you have to be a generalistic, a generalist. And it's just something that is it's personal to you, to your choices and to your ambition, basically. I, th- I think there's a... I think there is an art form to or specializing um can be an art unto itself right like being the best at hair (laughs) you know like for me that sounds really boring but for someone there i'm sure there's someone at a studio somewhere or or not they're freelancing and they're like love hair you know and it's like they're the best at hair and they are the one that people come to and they see it as an art form they love sculpting the hair and cutting the hair and like and just making it look good and when i mean there's a certain amount of pride that comes with finishing a job and knowing you have done a fantastic job and i think some of that specialization is an art form unto itself I would suggest also that there is a kind of a question of a size of a project that mm-hmm. it 
doesn't size well to be a generalist in all yes in every respect is basically not possible if you're a freelance is definitely to have to have a kind of a lot of um arrows on your bow you know it's it's a definite advantage but not if you're kind of in the in your very in your workflow of mm-hmm. the studio if you have a 10 you don't need 10 art director on the on the one thing believe me it it will be a very directors difficult will tell you that no <laughs> believe me it will be very difficult to work <laughs> even with two art director on the same thing so because it's kind of a question of vision and ego and big picture and whatever it is so but yeah i think it's the size that matters in this mm-hmm. respect so uh yeah and uh, specializing also you cannot ask uh i don't know very good art director in our case to be a very good coder for example to mm-hmm. a very good developer because it's completely different mm-hmm. has basically brains mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's it's a little bit more nuanced I think uh, and uh, yeah I could I would also like to add perhaps think about where you want to go into the future you know if you want to work for a studio and you want to kind of just focus on one specific thing, specialization could be right up your alley. But if you want to, say, maybe run your own studio, you know, generalizing can be very helpful in that way because you're able to talk to so many different people. And then when it comes to a very specialized skill set that you need, you look for those people who you can hire out instead of actually trying to take on the work yourself. Uh, yeah, I can say that. Uh, whether it's uh, hiring people or just collaborates for free with just other freelancers, I, I realized I've been, uh, I never choose to specialize in any field. So I'm doing all the, the animation and the lightning and everything by myself for more than 10 years. But at some point I reached a, uh, a barrier like uh, when you want to work on really bu- big and beautiful animation projects like uh, create a short uh, animated uh, video at some uh, and tell the story of a character and something really deep and all at some point you have to to collaborate with people you are you cannot not do anything by yourself and uh, yeah at these times you you're talking about the future i think i want to yeah ask maybe some of those guys to collaborate and do something together because you, you you cannot do anything by yourself, I guess. Yeah, for example, if you see Avatar 2, there's just a bunch of specialized people that know exactly and perfectly their field. And you wouldn't have that kind of result if everyone was a generalistic person, you know? So you have to... It, it all depends on the project. He hires out teams. Yeah. <laughs> Ash Thorpe. A, a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch, yeah. watch the credit. Watch the credit and you will see all the names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, yeah, you've got teams, you know, who will hire out people that they've worked with. You know, I know Ash Thorpe has hired out some people specifically for his modeling of the uh, one of the rally cars that he did. Like he had someone else model almost the entire thing. You know, and then you've got Beeple who sends off some of it, not his dailies, but, you know, sends off some of the work that he did uh, when he did the uh, FITC titles. You know, he hired 
hired that out to a whole team of people instead of doing it all himself. You know, but yes, it sure does. They, some of them do take the credit like they did it all themselves. Yeah. Say, yeah. That's why it's important to to read down in the, the um like the comments or down the yeah. description because people are hiding down there too. So like um I'm friends with Ash, so I'll call him out. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like that, like you said, like you thought that he did everything in there, but he might have a team of like five or six people, but they're down in the description too. So like a lot of people get the FOMO like, oh, I wish I could do that type of work. I'll never be that good. But in reality, it's a collaborative effort. So it's good to kind of um, put everything in perspective and never compare yourself to what's out there because sometimes it's not reality. Yeah. You have to have a look behind a curtain to see what's really there. Yeah. You work a lot, like a lot, a lot, like like. Not human, actually. So, <laughs> so I don't know where you, when you sleep. You, you, yeah, maybe uh, I don't think he has. I'm not sure he sleep at all, actually. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't compare yourself to anyone. Just, just find your rhythm and, and work on your own stuff, and great thing will follow. But uh, yeah, but at some point, we all need people, other people, to to, to work on 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 our project. Yeah, the further you go in your career, the yeah. more people that you're going to want to know would, who you have networked with yeah. to bring on for the different projects that you get. More questions? More questions? That's a good question. Yeah. Okay, so what do you recommend doing as a freelancer or as uh as a freelancer? Um in order to be able to generate generate revenue easily. Yeah. I think a lot of people started by working with the, if you started working with a studio, you just can, as Luca, mm -hmm. you just can continue to work with them. Uh, a lot of people start like this. And uh, I think, I, I don't know, it's my personal experience, but when you start as a freelancer, uh, I, I decided to start when I got enough email uh, and of proposition so I was like I stopped school so I was like okay I can start freelancing I just stopped school and I made this choice but um, if you I think it's cool to start when you have a, when you already have a, a minimum of opportunities but uh, there are also solutions like contacting studios or that's what came in mind but maybe yeah, I, I had the same experience I started working on uh, game companies and there I started to create my network And when my network was big enough and I was confident I could work by myself, I decided to move to freelancing. Um, yeah, I have uh, the same experience. Yeah, what, what have you been doing the past two weeks to prepare for freelancing? I was working on a studio that uh, creates um, uh, online events and stuff like so. And um, in parallel, I uh, just uh, started the in, in Instagram uh, page, so I post uh, some personal work. Uh, I do some uh, challenges like the 36 days uh, of type and stuff like so. So I build uh, my own uh, page, BNs and stuff like so. And uh, now I'm like uh, confident enough to launch myself and uh, connect with some uh, yeah, studios and uh, stuff like so. I, I contact some of them and uh, just show my work and it's, uh, it's good. I'll go with Beyonce yes, without uh, Beyonce, hesitating. Yeah. Beyonce, yeah. Vimeo, it's too bad now. Like, yeah. like it's so bad. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it was good before. Not now. It's not very um, easy to to use and and 
not many people watch Vimeo now. Mm-hmm. It's very niche for us. It's cool. It's clean. It's, it's mm-hmm. professional, you know. So I, I, every one of my videos are on Vimeo. But if I strive to have more views, just Instagram or YouTube, basically. So Yeah, I've known a lot of people who have switched from Vimeo. Because also Vimeo charges you yeah. if you've got a certain yeah. amount or if you want longer videos. YouTube's free. But just you can use um, Vimeo for BNs. I just use Vimeo mm-hmm. to import Vimeo videos on my BNs project. Yeah. <laughs> it's useful. Yes, and uh, with Vimeo you can uh, personally I use it for clients. They I mm-hmm. upload a video private, and they can add some comments at one time, like uh, change this, change this, and when it's done, I can. Like Burnsab, you can integrate it in other uh, websites like Beyond or your own website. The, the only thing is just, I don't know, I don't have uh, any staff picks because I don't post enough on Vimeo. But I don't know if uh, somebody that got a staff picks uh, like right now on Vimeo, maybe it can bring uh, work. I don't know if somebody has this experience, but I think... <laughs> It's just a cool badge, actually. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice to have that on your page. It's cool, but well, it, it puts you on front uh, of the page, so you will have more views. So yeah. potentially mm-hmm. more people or clients will will, will will see your video. But the, the, for me, the thing that's very practical in Vimeo is you can replace your video yes. without losing anything. Yeah. I wish YouTube would do like, that. Uh, yeah. So th- this is very practical. If you so, I, I use Vimeo and and I upload on every platform with the Vimeo link like that if something goes wrong and I have to delete some some shots so I just re-upload the video nothing's changed in the view count or the likes or anything or the comments and good to go but yeah Vimeo is still shitty right now yeah but it's just sorry but is, there are definitely a couple of uh, professional features in Vimeo that you cannot find it elsewhere yeah especially as a CDN uh, it's content delivery network you know that your video is much more fluid when you're on the same continent uh, and everything so it's basically something that completely hidden it's quite complex if you do it by yourself because it's linking and everything it's completely hidden from you so it's Vimeo and is handling this one and also kind of uh, I think it's uh, the privacy of the videos and the client work Mm -hmm. it's definitely and also you can just uh, share with the one domain because we, we do a lot of digital work kind of a texture in over the 3D model in real time so it's definitely kind of a delivery system of Vimeo it's much more sophisticated and much more kind of a professionally adapted uh, but uh, yeah perhaps the reach is not the same because it's quite more niche I don't ever worry about the reach with Vimeo for me it's always will it play or not yeah. because they have buffering issues and I, I can never I can never get a Vimeo video to actually play all the way through it'll always pause on me yeah. so we had one more question up here. Somebody? I saw a hand. Don't don't compare yourself, mm-hmm. your work to someone else's highlight reel cuz you don't you don't know how many explainer videos they've done, you know? And it, it, we try and portray ourselves as doing the best work and putting out the best work and you don't know how many explainer videos I've done <laughs> that I don't put on my reel. I don't know. It's it, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on it because for me it's 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 a fine line between 
you know, uh, uh, just feeling like I'm not good enough. And then also in the complete reverse of that, feeling like I'm a total badass, you know? I, I understand something when I had a discussion with people that I think are really amazing. They produce amazing film. And even them, sometimes they have some doubt. They feel not confident about uh, their work. And I was like, why? It's amazing. So I think you will probably always in your career have that, um, that feeling at some, at some times, not every time. So you have to deal with it. It's okay. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes, and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. Just something I think uh, in, in my case, uh, personally, it's also a lot about... Uh, this is not a problem because I just love what what I do. I mean, not my work, but what what I'm working, the field I am working on. I just love to create something with 3D softwares, and I lo just love motion design. And so the work of other people is not a problem because it's just motivation. Like when I see something that I find really cool, I just want to do better. Like I'm so competitive, and so it's not nothing about trust or I just see something and I, I'm like okay it's cool I have to do better and to <laughs> so I think uh, it's cool to be also a bit competitive but not bad competition like something really aggressive and uh, but just something cool and constructive and uh, personally I started working with people really better than me because I was working with uh, people like five years older than me so everything was like so good compared to me and I just it was just a motivation to do okay I will uh, <laughs> I will uh, I, I just want to work to, to make something cooler than what they do yeah I think what's it's uh, important it's always try to get better even when you start to reach a certain level and to be known for stuff always keep working to be better you, there are always room to be better for anyone so never never stop to say yes I'm the best because if you're doing that you won't be the best very long so yeah that's for sure always like if you get the imposter syndrome look at the work that is causing you to feel that way how can I make my work better you know and improve myself to where I won't feel like so much of an imposter even though your work's probably fine <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel that every time I go to the first page of uh, Art Station, actually. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's, it's quite normal to feel that way, I, I think. But the, the thing I, I learned during the time is just everyone has something more to offer, you know. Um, you will meet some incredible people that just don't want what you want or just want to work something very cool, low-key, and, and just... And it could be so much more because when you see the watch, why you are not just like the director of the film or so... But sometimes they just don't want that. And, and talents, it's something very um, different people to people. So everyone have a voice, a style, something interesting to propose. So feel... Think like that. I think basically the answer is if you find out the answer to this question one day, please call yeah, me. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yes, Karand. <laughs> um, a bit philosophical, but something that I believe in is um, your competition is yourself and your downfall is yourself as well. So it's up to you what you choose. Either you follow others and start being like, oh, he's so better, or be look at yourself and be like, how can I be better? than what I was yesterday. I guess that'll help. <laughs> yeah, no one hates me more than me. Yes. <laughs> and also don't hesitate to ask uh, feedback around you, your friends, your family, and uh, yeah, it's always useful. <coughs> Question up here in the book. Yeah. So I, as far as style, building your own style, right? Um, that evolves, You know, I, I initially, when I started, it was all logos. I was doing terrible logos. I worked at a place where we were putting logos to jingles. Do y'all know what jingles are? Yeah, it was awful job. Um, and so I started off doing logos, but then slowly like, oh, I like, I, I, I like architecture. I like interiors. And I, I moved from that. And then it's like, oh, okay, I like, I like building out scenes. I like modeling, you know, and it just evolves. And eventually you kind of find your own style. If you think people started off making weird stuff, he didn't start off making weird stuff. He spent about 12 years not doing that. And then he became successful the three years that he did. Anybody else? No? I think there was another question up here. Yes. Me personally, y'all feel free to jump in. You find artists that you like and you try and imitate that. And by imitating that, eventually you start to put your own spin on things. You know, you may start off doing renders just like EJ's cute little character stuff, but then, you know, maybe make them more demonic or something like that. So they don't look and, and you slowly evolve into having your own style. Yeah. Usually you don't have only one person you like. Uh, you have a brand, a b lot of people, and you will pick this from this person, this from this person, mm -hmm. and this is what you will make your style. And so once you have your the skills set, the skills basis, you just explore, and I, I think it's also related to the emotions. Like uh, for me, I studied a series based on the photographer photography of the um, photograph of the old friends, like uh, forgotten territories of friends, because I'm from the countryside, and it was something emotional for me, and that's why I found the motivation and the uh, the way to do it, just uh, my 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 own way. 
because at first you have to imitate uh, what you see, but then uh, as you as you mm-hmm. said, uh, it it will it will build up and uh, and become unique at some point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's take time. It's okay to take time. Like uh, I remember when I was um, at school, uh, I did some project. I didn't take the whole project, but I liked specifically one part or one aspect, like uh, the gradient, like the noise. Uh, really specific part and I I said to myself okay I will develop that in the next project and um, after the uh, do that um, a lot of time you can add some some uh, skills to your palette and uh, you can really be more precise and find your own style but it takes time of course yeah for, for me uh, I wasn't really questioning myself about style or just uh, taking that too much seriously my goal was to be good at software first it was good I'd be good as just manipulating correctly Cinema 4D After Effects and if I was able to uh, re uh, redo an animation that I see correctly that was good enough and then style came along you know I, I started to copy uh, artists and then as you said it kind of evolved to something more interesting for me and then your style going to kind of appear and and then you have to uh, ask yourself what style for you it just is it just a color palette is is it a style of modeling is it a, so style is kind of a broad you know and and uh, you will find it so, uh, at one point and m- maybe you won't even notice it this just will come naturally to you and people will point that out to you ah, it, this is your style and you will oh okay Apparently now it's my style yep. I just want to say too um, I know as artists we want to emphasize on our own style but um, also at the same time we're work for hire with different clients as well and so it's good to be able to adapt to anything a client works like I've worked with the country music network I know nothing about country music but I was able to adapt don't that lie <laughs> well I'm saying like I worked with CMT country music network um, at the country music awards and then right around turn around and worked with MTV on a breakdancing TV show so it's like two completely different sides of the spectrum but I was able to adapt to what the client needed and so that was a style in itself just being able to adapt and get whatever kind of jobs you could do so I think at least for me, because like I'm working for money, right? Not just for likes and stuff online. Like you want to be able to make the money and do what you can to get those clients that will pay you to do what they want. So, all right, I have to ask the question because we've only got a few minutes left, and you don't have I, to. I, I don't have to, but no. I feel like I should. Uh, you yeah, know, I told them we'd come right. back to it. Um, I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on AI. Uh, the, the Germans in Berlin didn't care for it much. Say, I'm Bush <laughs> out. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, is is it going to take our jobs? Are y'all worried about it at all? <laughs> Well, I guess it's uh, it's kind of very new, so it's difficult right now to really see what will come. What sure it's there will always we be people behind the AI because at the end, at the, the end, when you are in a creative process, you need to think what you want to do, and the AI currently can't do that alone. But it's true that 
it probably will kill a lot of job in the process. So mm -hmm. I guess you have to to be good at what you're doing, and uh, and yes. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of jobs can can disappear or, or not be created, but at some point uh, the AI cannot feed it itself uh, indefinitely, and it right. it will it will start to to, to be a feedback loop. loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we still have to create, but some of the job will be lost along the way, I guess. I think there's going to be a big transition in artists. Because um, I think what a lot of artists worry about is their work being fed into mm -hmm. like an AI algorithm. And I'm really interested to see how they fight that, you know, how we as digital artists will be able to fight that and not allow our work to be included into the algorithm. Yeah, I just want to say I wasn't going to say nothing, but yeah, <laughs> let's say um, right off the bat for any freelancers out there, like um, make sure you put in your contract if you don't want AI to, um, or if you don't want your work fit into AI, let the studios know because there are studios out there right now that are creating their own AI with like stable diffusion. So mm -hmm. I know a couple of freelancers are like, Like, even though it's not on the internet, they're using their own version to feed from within the freelancers yes. they're hiring. Yes. So they're able to turn that back out. So you're not pulling images off the internet. They're pulling it from the talent that they're hiring. And I know a lot of artists aren't comfortable with that because it's like, yeah, you're hiring me for this job. But then you're also training a machine to use my style to maybe make mood boards for another job that you don't bring me in for. So, right. yeah, you have to um, be upfront and speak into the contracts and um, be upfront with the employer as well, because that's definitely something that's happening right now. I've seen for sure. Yeah. You had a follow up. It was your question. So I'm going to let you follow it up. So I do know uh, uh, Otoy has been working on a stable diffusion node to be able to, uh, uh, when you're creating textures and stuff like that, um, I don't speak for Otoy, by the way. I'm just, these are things I hear on the grapevine. It may not come to fruition. Um, but a stable diffusion node would be cool because then you could say, hey, give me, you know, this sort of texture or something like that. And you wouldn't necessarily have to go and create it yourself or buy assets or something like that. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, the modeling stuff, anything Roto, if we can get rid of that, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's things that I'm optimistic about. Uh, there's also things that scare me a lot, like you know ai being fed into algorithms or like there's someone who uh fed ai all the episodes of seinfeld and then just started creating more episodes of seinfeld that's going to be an interesting future because i mean if you want a season three of loki there you go right so i don't know what do y'all think are you optimistic or pessimistic about ai mm. <laughs> Let's all be optimistic, because then we can end on a positive note. <laughs> uh, that that stuff, that stuff. Uh, optimist, no. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it, it can make some job easier. No, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, for example, there's uh, to this day like four big projects entirely done by AI. Mm -hmm. uh, three campaign um, one for Burger King another for just like a drink mm -hmm. and I, I don't remember the other but it, it was, was the one big, for it was big what was budget campaign 
mm-hmm. you know? and the latest stuff with the uh, Marvel interjection. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, that that looked very bad, and um, and uh, yes, so yeah, I, for now it's it looked bad. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of good news at, the, at that yeah. moment. So if you, if you want something very weird, go there. Okay, you use you, you will save yeah a ton of money uh, that could go to artists. But this is industry. You cannot. They will always find a way to spend less money. If basically their job mm-hmm. to to uh, to do that. And and my fear for me is more like I, I just um, I want to 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 be able to be happy by solving a problem by myself. Mm-hmm. This is what is so appealing for me in this job. It's just the problem solving part, not just a bunch of idea uh, generated by an AI, and I just pick one and I say and increment on that idea mm-hmm. I just like the fact that it's my idea and I can develop on that I, I use AI chat GPT it's a great assistant I love that thing mm-hmm. um, I use uh, Midjourney for references but only for references not just for inspiring entire uh, illustration or movie idea or something uh, but Basically, like every big uh, new creation, human being have uh, tendencies to abuse that to the limit, and yes. then <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then go like catastrophic and go back a little bit. But um, I don't know where we're going to go with that. But we have to be careful, and I'm not sure we can do much thing to protect our work because if I know something is multi-billion dollar company will always find loophole to take whatever they want when they want it so we can fight as much as we can it's evolution is going to be like that so um, I don't know it's a very complicated and and heated uh, issue and discussion to have and uh, I think it will take time to find find our place and to work correctly with that without feeling like we just now a tool for an AI, basically. So yeah, I think it's going to take time. Well, I think that uh, we like it or we don't like it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you won't get, we won't get uh, rid of it now. So we have to be aware of it, to understand it, to use it uh, in a proper way. It's sure it will change the industry. It's it's, uh, it's a fact. But uh, we have to do with uh, to deal with it. So or be in denial. <laughs> <laughs> la 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 la. la. <laughs> also, also, I think the the AI cannot uh, exploit uh, mistakes and make it uh, valuable. I mean, we, as humans, we make mistakes and we we can create a style from there or create a new idea. The AI doesn't see that. It's just uh, that's a just positive thing for it. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> and on that note, oh, okay, one last question. Basically, she asked, uh, what uh, um, profession will suffer the most from AI? I think copywriters. <laughs> like, I'm serious. The, the amount that, like, I, I'm not a good writer, but ChatGPT is a great writer, or can be. And so the amount, the amount that I have used it in the past in order to create um, 
copy for myself like my bio that i send out everywhere like what i always do is i'll just throw a bunch of mishmash in words on like okay this is my name this is what i do and it doesn't look pretty and i say hey make this look pretty i was like okay done yes i can send that out or uh uh here's a story that i want to write you know here's the main things make it look pretty You know, I, I think I think copywriters are going to get hurt the most. And um, I, I think in, in the field, well, everything that imply uh, rotoscopy. Yes. Yeah. Everything like, and, cl- and clean plates. You know, sometimes when you uh, when you are on a set, you take picture of of the environment, and someone have to clean all the images by hand. And so I think all the tedious job. Uh, will go away, I think. So that's a good thing at some point, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and the illustrator of a sci-fi books, I think, it's gone. It's <laughs> so it's every sci-fi cover <laughs> you can assume it's been generated by by me journey today. I think uh, cover album also. <laughs> yeah. That's done. Awesome. I want to thank everyone for coming to the Dat Show here in Paris. Uh, y'all have made... Y'all have been extremely welcoming and um, uh, we have absolutely loved this tour of Europe. Uh, we have had an absolute blast and to end it here in Paris has just been such a treat. Thanks everyone for coming out. Um, if you want to check out our podcast, it's uh, mograph.com slash podcast. Uh, get all your different podcatchers of choice or whatever and we'll see you in the next one. Until then, I'm Matt. And I'm Winbush. And this was that. Thanks, y'all. Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, Seagraph, Half Res, and local meetups. Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We gotta stop this thing, Rick! It's gonna kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous! Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. 
Oh, brother, those were some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it. We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.